Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you all, and it's great to be here on this exciting day. I've had an exciting week, too, and I just want to thank you all very much. Uh, this, this week, I went down to Melbourne Monday afternoon and uh, stayed with my parents overnight in the bed I used to sleep in. Nothing compared to the one I sleep in now. But mum and dad waited on me like I was their own little son again. It was beautiful. And then I went up to Surface Paradise, flew up there and met with other pastors of church, Baptist churches that have more than 400 people in the church. And uh, we gathered together and there were people from many of the churches uh, in Victoria, Crossway Baptist, New Hope Baptist, other uh, Baptist churches from Victoria. And then also uh, Baptist pastors, senior pastors from right over um, Australia and it was just a real great time to get together and to talk about what God's doing in each church and I just loved talking about Wodonga Baptist non-stop all the time, it was great and uh, I just feel very blessed to have been able to go. I think we got 89, I got $89 return flights up and back and then I got there and my uh, parking the car in the hotel was $14 a day, wasn't that terrible? There's always a catch, but I just felt very blessed to be able to do that and uh, want to thank you. And um, I just think it's exciting what God is doing in uh, Baptist churches across Australia. And I really had a sense that God is doing great things here. And I just, I'm looking forward to all that he's going to continue to do through us as a church family. And we've got thousands of people around us that we're just along to know this great, exciting stuff that we know about God and what he's done through sending Jesus. So thank you for that gift. Um, on June the 18th, 2008, just, just under a year ago, Esmond Green, a 49-year-old Jamaican-born lady, uh, she's, uh, she's a daycare centre worker and a mother of six, was taken to the psychiatric wing of the massive public hospital Kings County Medical Centre in Brooklyn. It's one of New York's most populated areas and this hospital is huge. Now, she was apparently uh, having some form of mental break breakdown and Mrs Green... Uh, was left almost 24 hours in, a in the psychiatric hospital emergency room because there was no bed available. The video cameras in the emergency room later showed the woman sliding off the chair at 5.30am the next morning, nearly a day after she had arrived. At first, Mrs Green uh, writhed on the floor and then lay face down. Uh, for the next hour, a security guard and other staff members ignored her. At least one employee attempted to, uh, sorry, at last one employee attempted to arouse the patient with her foot. Finally, an hour after she'd fallen, an unsuccessful attempt was made to revive Mrs Green, she died on June 19th. A videotape aired on national television showing the patient dying 
in the waiting room of King's Medical Centre in Brooklyn. And it provoked a wave of revulsion. Daily Brooklyn News had reported this story and that's when I heard about it. I don't know about you, but when I hear a story about this, a true story, I'm deeply moved. I mean, I get mad. I think to myself, how can that happen in a populated city like New York? The mayor of, of New York said, you know, sh- well, you know we're hoping that this is not a, a one-off and we'll, we're going to try and do all that we can. But to think that this can happen right in front of people, I think if I was there in that room, I would have, as soon as she dropped, you know, got up and said, something's got to be done. If only I was there. And I know you would have done the same. And when we look at things like that and when we hear about things like that, I get upset because it's not right. I think God, too, would be upset. And I think there's a deeper truth when I heard about this story. I think there's something not just horribly wrong in some medical rooms, but I think in our world today, there are people that are suffering, there are people that are dying all around us. And they might not be in the same room. I mean, we might not just be metres away from them and be able to get and help them up. But there are whole countries and places that are writhing on the ground, longing for someone to help, someone to care. In fact, it's harder because they're out of sight often, the biggest problems in the world, the biggest needs in the world. People people in Africa are dying of AIDS. Uh, They're dying of hunger. They're dying at the hands of unjust leaders. And many of us are just unaware Maybe we don't know that they're falling and and almost dying in front of us. Maybe some of us know, but just ignore. Some of us feel hopelessly inadequate and unable to do anything. And so we get paralysed and don't act at all. Uh, This morning, I think the good news for those people is that God cares. I think uh, God thinks that people, no matter whether it's one person, like Esmond Green, or whether it's the whole nation of Malawi or Uganda, God thinks that people, whether they're black or white, rich or poor, old or young, educated or uneducated, really matter. God thinks people matter. And the good news is that because they matter to God, they should matter to us too. I think because they matter to God, he calls us to to respond. He calls us to really respond. Perhaps the most obvious way that we see God's heart for people that are far from him. God's heart for people all over the world, those hurting most, is in what's called the Great Commission. And I looked it up in the dictionary and it says commission. 
What does commission mean? And the Oxford Dictionary says this, entrusting of authority to a person or persons, charge or matter entrusted to persons to perform. So the Great Commission would be God entrusting or giving permission, giving responsibility over, entrusting something to people to perform. What is this Great Commission? Well, we'll look what it says up there on the screen. This is where it's found in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, and we know this is at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He'd, he'd been crucified. His disciples had scattered. Then they gathered together and he'd appeared to them uh, in his resurrected body form. And he, he was with them and he gathered them together on the hill and just as he, before he was about to be taken up away from them, before their eyes ascending to heaven, he said these words. He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. People matter to God. And so in the Great Commission, what he said was, I want you to go. I want you to go into all nations. I want you to go and reach people that are far from me. I want you to help them to become disciples. I want you to go. I want you to go. And you've heard about people saying marriage matters. <laughs> and we've got a thing here on Fridays, mothering matters. You've heard about financial matters. Well, I, I would just want to say today, people matter. Old, young, rich or poor, no matter where they are, they matter to God and the Great Commission shows it. But you might say, well, that's great just putting up that verse. We've heard it all before, you know. Uh, the Great Commission, people always talk about this at mission time and, and you know, it's good to say that. But uh, haven't you got other verses? Like we're a bit sick of the Matthew 8, uh, 28 18 to 20. And, and so I just did a quick, you know, very quick flick through the scriptures to see whether this was like a core part in the story of God, God's story in the Bible, or whether it's just a verse that comes out and sits there alone. And, and I, I wonder if we could just uh, have a quick look. People matter to God and they matter to us. And I think this comes right through the scriptures. If you look at Abraham in Genesis 12, this is what it says in verses 1 to 3 of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the nation I will show, to the land I will show you. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Ever heard that? Father Abraham has many sons. You know that one? We're sons of Father Abraham because by faith he believed in God and it was accredited to him as righteous. And we, we now 
believe in Jesus Christ through faith and we're part of the same family of God through faith. And what God was saying here is, I love people. They matter to me and I want to create a family. I want to reach out to people. And Abram, I'm wanting you not to become the father of just one, but I want you to become the father of many. And I want you to go and through you, and to reach all the world. Not only there, but in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3 and verses 7, he said, uh, God comes to Moses in the burning bush. You know that? You know that time? And the bush is burning up. And, and from the bush, God says these things in verse 7. He said, look, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Doesn't that make you feel good? God sees the misery on earth. And he says to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. Oppression. God hates people who oppress other people and control them and hurt them. And he's seen that. He said, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites, Hivites and Jezebites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are opposing them. And then he looks at Moses and he says, so now... Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. There it is again. God is wanting to rescue people who are in captivity and he calls Moses to go and let the people and free the people. Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah chapter 6 and we sung it. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And here's, uh, here, Isaiah's commissioning. And they were calling to one another, it says in verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord mighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, this is the, the angels in heaven, at the, the, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And it says... Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. We, we get a picture just through this, uh, these three passages of a God who sees the world and commissions people to go so that they'd be set free, so that they become his people 
And, and, and so they would hear the message of God's message for them. He's a, a God who is a God who right down the ages has been calling people to himself to go, to go out. And then just in case we didn't miss the whole thing, Jesus comes along and he says, Matthew uh, you know, 28 and verses 18 to 20, which we looked at just before. And then we have left in Mark uh, this, this great commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the news to all creation. And then in John 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, he says to his disciples. And then in Acts 1, 8, he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So far, we've looked together in this three-part series on getting on board with God's mission. We've looked at God's heart for mission. We've looked at my part in mission. And today, we're looking at let's start the Great Commission. Now, let's start is because it rhymes with heart and part. But we've already been starting. But let's start with new vigour today. It, putting into practice this great commission that God has called us to go, to go into all the world, to go into all the world to help bring God's kingdom here, to spread the good news, to help let people know that there is hope and good news for them. I wondered today, as we think about this, as we think about God's, um, God's calling and his commission and us starting that together, uh, I wonder why we should do that. I mean, it's okay God says that. But, you know, m- many people today think, well, just because God tells me, you know, uh, wh- wh- why should I do that? God actually commands me to do it and I want to obey him. But what other reasons can there be that can really help encourage me to go, to respond? That people matter to God and we need to respond. Well, I think one huge reason why we should do it is that I can make a very significant difference in the world. Just like if I was in that room uh, with that lady when she fell down, I could have picked her up and made a difference, put her back on the seat, taken her for a walk, called some help, done something. In the same way, by responding to God's great commission, I can make a significant difference with my life in this world by responding. You might say, well, how can I do that? Well, you can make a difference this morning in Uganda. I mean, we've heard today, his Marg, just a few weeks ago, a little Ugandan baby that she's delivered, uh, helped be involved in delivering. And we've, uh, can you imagine being a mother in Uganda and you already have four children and you're pregnant again and you're about to give birth and you know the incredible rates of, of death when it comes to to birth and how difficult it is to find help. And so many women die in Uganda just 
giving birth. When Marg went, the women there were just shocked at the maternity, that they'd never, she'd never had someone die at childbirth. They, they couldn't believe it, that she'd never seen someone die during childbirth. And yet now, Marg is there in Uganda at this maternity clinic in Ginger. And there's a team there that would welcome you if you were pregnant coming in with four kids. She would welcome you and help you. She would give you confidence. Instead of waiting for days, Marg and her, the team of midwives that she's working with would help and do all they can to deliver your baby healthily and keep you safe. When you participate today, you're making a significant difference in Uganda, in Ginger. John, too, is helping. John's in the dark there, you know. Um, I don't know whether he always is in the dark. I don't think he is. But that's him over there. This is off their Facebook page, so uh, it didn't come up so well. But John is is there as well. And and what he's actually doing is helping uh, young men learn a trade. Now, what happens so often over in Uganda is that parents die. Some are killed through violence that occurs in in Uganda. Some uh, die of AIDS. Some, Some through all kinds of tragedies means that many families are left without parents. And what John is finding is that in his TAFE, They're ministering directly to uh, people that are orphans. They're young men that might have six or so brothers and sisters but have now no way of income because the parents have died. And so what John is doing is teaching them a trade so that some will become plumbers and will actually have an income that will provide for all the family. When you give, when you pray, when you support and respond to the Great Commission, you help John, do what he's doing. It's an incredible privilege to make a difference. In in Malawi, uh, you know, uh, in in Malawi, there's two ways this morning that you can really make a difference. The first is through uh, life groups. And and they're making an incredible difference already. We've supported this in years gone by. And rather than money being dumped on people, you know, so they can just go and buy whatever they want, an incredible phenomenon is happening amongst these, this plan of life groups. Because you know what they do? They don't just dump the, our money down to them. But what they do is they, they give it to the local people who help each other actually break out of the cycle of poverty. Um, committees are, are formed in 50 different village locations and the committees meet together to address the local needs and to formulate and develop projects out of their meetings together that the resources that we've given can help. See, it's not a uh, far-off management role. It's given to the actual leaders to help change the society that they're in, change the village that they're in. So local volunteers provide all the labour and the materials. And, and what they start up, come up with projects like how can we make, get safe drinking water here? Let's do that. That's one of our biggest needs. Or how can we uh, look after the orphans in our village? How can we care for them? Let's come up with a plan. And so our money goes to help the committees that gather together and come up with the plans and implement those. 
It's incredibly effective, the resourcing that we give to help these people. The program includes, you know, practical, functional education that's going to help them. Like, they don't learn, you know, history or anything like that, which I'm not saying that's not practical and helpful if you're a history teacher. But what I'm saying, with these people, they learn things like literacy and numeracy and they learn and some of the farming practices as well so that they can read, you know, the information on the seed packets so they know how to plant, so they know what to do. And it just helps in so many different ways. So every time you give, any moment you pledge today, you know, as you give and part, be part of God's commission, you're directly helping villagers in Malawi. What an incredible difference you're making with your life. And also, the, the other thing that we, 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 you can give to today as you're responding to the commission is that Bible translation can make a difference. There'll be people in Malawi that will actually get, get the Bible in their language. And they're not in just their language, but with the same sort of, you know, uh, nuances of the way they talk in, in Malawi. It'll have Yao people lingo in, in, in the translation. It'll use religious terms that they're actually familiar with in the Bible. And there'll be booklets that they'll be able to get and help. And, you know, uh, for the actual life groups, $500 will support a whole village life group. For actually uh, Bible translation and the literacy that goes with them, $325 will actually help print 100 Bible, uh, Bibles there and teaching booklets. What, what a difference. What a difference we can make today in the world. So one of the big reasons why we should follow the Great Commission, why we can say, you know, well, people matter to God, they should matter to us, so we'll respond, is because God commands it, but also because we can make an incredible, incredible difference. Do you know how much difference our money can make over there? It's staggering. We are so privileged. We're in the privileged few and we can make a significant difference in our world. The second thing, the reason why it can help so much, uh, a reason why we should respond is that I grow as I respond to God's commission. I actually grow in who I am as I respond. So, for instance... I grow in, as I respond in prayer. Do you know, as I start to pray for the people in Uganda and I pray for Marg and John, and as I start to regularly get down on my knees and say, God, would you strengthen Marg, help her to have wisdom as she delivers those babies, help the dynamics on the team to go well, what actually happens to me is I become a person of prayer. I mean, people actually look and say, Jonathan is a person of prayer. I change as I pray and respond to God's commission, uh, I, I start to become caring and aware of the needs of others as I pray. And I grow as I respond uh, by giving. You know, instead of being someone who grabs and keeps everything for myself and, and says, you know, what can I take? I start to become someone who is a generous person. And so people actually think of me as a generous person because I'm giving and I'm not holding and I'm not grabbing. And you know what happens to generous people? I just find that generous people find that people treat them very generously. You know, when, when you treat others generously, 
It becomes a joy to, to give to others and others give to you and it changes your life. The other thing that happens is I grow as I respond in faith and obedience. So many people say, I love you, Lord. You know, I love you, Lord. But don't actually show it. And when we respond to God's commission, what happens is we start to actually put into practice our faith and our faith has legs. So, so Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So as we respond, we're obeying him and we're becoming more and more friends with God. And then James talks about the, the connection between faith and works. And, and this is what he says in James 2, 17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So as I respond in faith and obedience, I start to grow as a follower of Christ. That's why I grow as I respond to God's commission. So you might say this morning, what have we already done? I mean, are we really starting? Is this really it? Well, I want to tell you that things have been changing rather dramatically around here in recent years. It's true. Um, we've, we've really started to take mission and God's commission very seriously when it comes to overseas mission. We've adopted the Yao people. You know, that actually happened in September 2006. We gathered here on a Sunday morning and we said, we will adopt the Yao people of Malawi. We will learn about them. We will pray for them. And we will respond to their needs as we become aware of them. And now we've been regularly, you know, May coming together. And we've actually visited the Yao people. We sent a team from here to go over and to actually meet the people and to get to know what they were doing so we could pray for them. And we were greatly encouraged by the people that went and learnt and met and we heard their stories, we saw the photos and we actually, it's helped us in our prayers. We've given generously year after year to the people. We've sent our first missionaries in the whole kind of you know, uh, history of our church, we sent them out six weeks ago. Don't you reckon that's fantastic? I think it's great, isn't it? Good, good stuff. You can be, it's exciting when we're actually sending physical people out. And Marg and John have gone. And they're there in Uganda right now. And we've decided as well as a church that we would intentionally get really intentional about our mission. And so what we've done is we've developed a missions policy and we looked at so many other different churches and how they organise mission and we looked and we prayed and we, we've said, God, what would you have us to do if we're going to take missions seriously and how, how can we be intentional about this? And so we've adopted a missions policy now and today is the very first day that we ask you to give for a missions annual giving. It's not just today now. We're saying through the year, God, if you would take what we give today and our pledges, what a difference, what difference could we make in the world? I'm excited. I think we've actually you know, drawn a line in the sand and said, right, we are going to respond to God's commission. We're responding. We're responding. 
And I think today we're taking great steps of faith as we're about to give. So I want to say, what can you do? I want to finish in, these ne- in, in just the next few minutes by telling you, uh, what, what can you do? I think how we can respond today is you could commit to pray. I mean, you can grow and become a person of prayer by praying. Grab, uh, go back today to the Mission Watch table and, and pray about some of the projects that you've been given today, uh, that we're giving towards today. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for the Gervins. Pray for the Dicks. Pray for the Keens as well. Uh, pray for them. I think prayer makes a huge difference. John and Marg, we just want them to be so bathed in prayer. I think the second thing you can do is give today, one-off payment, all you can afford, and a pledge for the rest of the year. I was struck when I was talking this week to someone who's just a a uni student that said, you know, I get $3,000 is what I'm given as a sort of scholarship. And uh, I was just really sensed, God was saying to me, to give $1,000, you know, to, to mission. And, and what happened was she responded to what she felt God was saying in just a few days. Uh, what was going to be just a $2,000 scholarship, $2,000 scholarship, they were reducing it by $1,000. But she got it saying, we're going to keep it up at $3,000. You know, she took the step of faith. And what had happened is God had responded and helped her. Oh, I heard about a, a child this week, a, a young, young child. Uh, out in kids' church, they're, they're giving to the, uh, Wilmont's, uh, to the Gervin's kids you know, to help their education continue. And I heard about a child who gave up all their, all their week's pocket money and, and, and more so they could do, go without. You know, it's a big deal to go without lollies when you're a kid. And I just think that's inspiring. Um, so you can give, and we're going, to, we're going to give you an opportunity. I want to tell you another thing you can do. You can join. You can join. Not only pray, not only give, but you can join the Mission Watch team. We have such a dynamic, fantastic group of people that are passionate about missions. And if you want to get on board that team, they would love you to be part of that as well. If you have a heart for missions, right at the Mission Watch table afterwards, someone would meet you there and talk to you about it. You can just put it on a blue card, interested in joining the Mission Watch team as well. And that's a way to respond. And the final thing I think you can do is literally, physically, go. Go. What's stopping you? I mean, uh, when Jesus said, go into all the world, I think he meant that some of us would respond literally and go overseas in mission. You know, I, I think not everyone's called to be a full-time pastor of a church. No. But everyone's called to full-time ministry. I mean, your life is God's, and whether you're working where you are or whether you're working, whatever you're doing, God wants you to be serving him all the time. And not everyone's called to full-time overseas mission, but we're all called to go wherever we are. But I think this morning God might be calling some people here to say yes to overseas mission. I think that Marg and John aren't only the very first ones and the last that will go from our church. And I just want to give you a time right now. I mean, if you feel 
Like God is saying to you, I want you to keep my, your heart open to me because I'm planting in you the idea of overseas mission. It might be that you don't even know when that would be. Maybe you don't even know what you'd do. But if, if you really feel this morning that God is saying to you, I want you to begin to think about overseas mission. And I mean literally going overseas. Not right now, maybe, but doing that. I, I wonder if right now, would you just like to stand where you are and, and, and we would just love to pray with you now. If you're feeling like God's calling you in a little bit of a way, maybe not right now, maybe it might be in a, in a year or so's time or just to begin to start to talk about it or to investigate. If that's you, would you like to just stand right where you are and we can just pray for you right here? It's okay. They're great. Good, Dick. Great. Fantastic. Well, while you three are standard, standing now, and as we get, we just want to pray that God would continue to stir in your hearts. Let's pray for these now. Oh, God, we know when you said go into all the world, you intended that many would uproot and leave and join in sharing the good news right throughout the world. And God, we pray for these three people who have stood today. Oh, God, we pray that you would continue to speak and guide them and shape their lives. And God, would you continue to guide them to the future that you have for them. Thank you, Lord, that you're still calling us to physically go. Oh, God, we pray that you'd call many, many in the years to come to leave from this church to go and physically lend a hand. And Lord, for each of us this morning, we pray that as we come to this time now where we give, where we seek your will, give us faith, give us courage, give us strength as we seek to respond to your great commission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.